The weather is uh, something that you can enjoy, you can watch, you can respect it, and I would say it's something that you don't fear. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we're going to explore weather anxiety with the legendary Tulsa meteorologist Travis Meyer. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> really, you, have, you really have no idea how excited I am. Okay, fanboy getting us aside, we asked former Tulsa meteorologist John Haverfield to interview his friend Travis. John is one of Mental Health Association Oklahoma's greatest advocates, and he really does a phenomenal job at this interview. But before we get to the interview, I want John to briefly talk about his own struggle with severe weather anxiety as a child. Yeah, you know, I... I... I have always been passionate about weather and severe weather uh, ever since I was a little kid. And um, it was kind of weird how passionate I was. Um, someone who was obsessed with tornadoes from a young age um, is a little interesting. I actually had pictures of tornadoes taped to my wall as a kid growing up, which isn't really a traditional thing that most kids have uh, <laughs> hanging up on their walls. But I, I did as a kid initially, just because I was so obsessed with tornadoes and, and severe weather, I watched videos about them all the time. But as a kid, you know, you have a, a big imagination and uh, your mind kind of runs wild. And having the knowledge that I had of tornadoes and, and seeing all the destruction that I uh, saw by watching them on videotape, it really kind of made me afraid of them. I was intrigued, but also afraid. And I remember one one instance, uh, the May 3rd, 1999 tornado um, large F5 tornado in, in Moore, Oklahoma, and uh, we're living in Tulsa. At the time, I was eight years old, and those storms were heading up the turnpike toward us. And I just remember being debilitatingly scared and just frightened and shaking and um, almost the point where, you know, you feel sick. And because all I could imagine was this big monster coming up the turnpike that's going to just destroy our house and it's just going to be extremely frightening. So I remember that instance as a kid, just, just being being so scared and and my wonderful parents being there all night long, staying up with me and calming me down and saying, you know, everything's going to be okay. And I think that really helped. And eventually later, a few more years, I kind of lost the the being afraid of, of tornadoes and kind of was just more interested and really was hungry for knowledge about what made them tick and, and what uh, what we can do to kind of prevent tornadoes from, from hurting people and maybe getting an earlier warning system. And so I kind of dove into to as much knowledge as I could about weather and tornadoes. And I think that being afraid kind of turned into more of an intrigue. And that's what I studied in school and, and uh, was TV meteorologist for six years here in Tulsa. So, it, And I know I've heard of several different meteorologists around the country who have similar stories uh, where they started off being you know afraid of weather and that kind of turned into an interest. And, and now that's their passion in life. So pretty interesting. So John, in your interview with Travis, he really talks about how stressful his job can be, including the fact that he gets hate mail. So from your perspective as a former meteorologist, explain why that job can be so challenging. It's a very difficult job, especially here in Oklahoma. And I can't speak to how it is in, in different areas of the country where weather isn't a big deal like it is here. But being a meteorologist on TV, there's very, very strange hours. You're working all the time during severe weather. You're basically, you're working until the last storm either weakens or moves out of our area. So that could be anywhere from an hour long coverage to 
12 hour long coverage, not even taking food breaks. So it's, it's, uh, it can be very exhausting and that can be days on end too. And uh, not only that, you're dealing with, um, some viewers who, you know, you're not going to please everyone. So there's, there's some viewers that, um, are not very appreciative of you being on their TV and they want to watch their show. So you'll get a lot of hate mail and people calling in, you know, and that's not very encouraging to have people yelling at you when you just spent, you know, 12 hours on TV. And so rough hours and and just a lot of mental draining that happens during severe weather that you don't really see behind the scenes, because I think we all do a great job here in Tulsa of staying professional and not really letting that side show. But I would say there's definitely that aspect that goes into it. And just dealing with disasters like we do and and you know we're we're the the last thing that some people see on TV right before a tornado hits their house so we're kind of that first line of giving people that warning we've got a big job to do and i think that kind of takes a toll on you too seeing destruction and uh, seeing the loss of life after big natural disasters something in your mind says you know maybe i could have said this or got on air earlier or done this and maybe i could have prevented this so there's a lot of second guessing yourself that goes into it i know when I was in the um, Moore tornado of 2013, uh, May 20th. I We were right in the parking lot of the elementary school that got hit watching the tornado come right at us. And we were one of the last storm chasers to finally leave. And uh, so that means we were the first back at the actual destruction area there in Moore. And you know, we saw some just unspeakable things that I'd never want to even ever hope to see ever again anywhere. Um, it was pretty traumatic. And, you know, I even suffered with a little bit of uh, post-traumatic stress just from that event in the the weeks and months after that, just kind of dealing with that and, you know, having nightmares about that situation. And so that that really takes a toll on you when you see natural disasters firsthand and loss of life and, and people, you know, walking around and realizing they just lost everything. So that kind of takes a toll on you. So it's uh, it's it can be a tough job. Yeah. Um, just real quick, tell us about your weather app. Yes. So uh, working now with Weather Battle, um, it is a uh, weather app, but not like your conventional weather app. It's currently in the Apple App Store right now. Um, basically, it's like fantasy football, but fantasy weather. So instead of um, making skilled bets on what sports team you'd like to win, you're kind of uh, making a guess on what the temperature will be the next day in certain areas of the country. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun game and you can play and for free or you can play and, and win money. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a weather battle and it's set in the app store now. All right, John, cue the music and take us into your brilliant interview with St. Travis Meyer. All righty, let's get things started. The Mental Health Download Podcast starts now. Thank you for listening to the Mental Health Download Podcast. I'm here with our guest today, Chief Meteorologist Travis Meyer from the News on 6. And Travis, first of all, uh, let me just say it's an honor to be here with you today. And even as a former TV meteorologist at a, a different station, I will say that I, uh, I looked up to you so much even as a kid. I grew up watching you and uh, I just think you do a fantastic job. And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you. And I'm sure the rest of Eastern Oklahoma thanks you for your many years of protecting this community from severe weather and just all that you do for this community. Um, uh, you know, the reason we're talking today, and uh, we're talking about severe weather anxiety. And this is something that a lot of folks here in Oklahoma especially deal with. And as you know, we are kind of at the epicenter of uh, craziness in terms of, of weather here in Oklahoma. We get it all. 
And we see the worst of Mother Nature uh, here in Oklahoma as well. And and that's what uh, makes your job so important too, uh, because you know you inform the people and uh, protect people from severe weather. So let's first talk about uh, severe weather anxiety and what it is. Um, in some folks, it can be a lot worse than in other folks. Um, it just depends on your, your past trauma. And in some instances where there's some people who have actually lost loved ones to tornadoes or any kind of severe weather. And then there's just some folks who are just so frightened and become debilitatingly frightened during severe weather. And uh, there's there's so much that can set it off for some folks, like just seeing clouds in the sky can trigger uh, severe weather anxiety for some. And it, uh, it can really become uh, debilitating uh, during any kind of uh, storm situation. And um, just in my personal experience, I've kind of dealt with severe weather anxiety when I was a kid. And I was just kind of uh, wondering in your case, was there any time when maybe you were younger that you dealt with severe weather anxiety to a certain respect? You know, most of mine, I probably should have because I, I would climb a windmill and during a lightning storm, which, uh, you know, Ben Franklin would have told me to get off the windmill because uh, I, I spent a lot of time taking trying to take pictures of the weather. And for I grew up on a farm in Nebraska. And so I had a little bit of a different angle at what happened because we always were praying for rain. There was always a reason that I wanted a storm because if it stormed, it meant it rained. It meant we stopped working for a little bit. I could go fishing. I could do something other than just working and blowing dirt around basically on the farm. And where I grew up, it didn't rain a whole lot, which also made it a lot more impressive for me to see the storms forming. And then to see that it's like, God, please let it rain, please let it rain. So I spent more of my life doing that. But I've been around so many people who have been kind of shocked into the weather. And that, that has been a really common cause for a lot of people to either get very interested in it or very afraid of what's going on. Well, yeah, and I think it's uh, kind of interesting how you can go from being afraid of the weather to interested about it. And you know, I, I had pictures of tornadoes hanging on my wall when I was when I was a kid, and because um, I was so interested in it. But uh, for for other people, especially those who have suffered from trauma or loss due to severe weather, they don't even want to talk about it. They uh, they love winter uh, because you know you get the clear skies or even snow because they know they just don't have to deal with severe weather. But on those big severe weather days. I was going to ask you, uh, when it's that kind of day and you know it's going to be bad and you know the models are showing it could be a bad day with tornadoes and even loss of life, uh, you know, things just look terrible. What's going on in your head that morning to kind of prepare yourself for what could be just a terrible afternoon? Yeah, what we do, and I would say the the morning of or even the during the course of uh, a couple of days leading up to it, we start to get, and you'll see it in our storm trackers, you'll see it in everybody. Everybody gets a little bit more angst, a little bit more energy, a little bit more nervous energy going on. And these are with people who love the weather, who want to be involved in it. And and when they see something like that happening, it's very interesting because you once we start forecasting that type of weather, we get a lot of people who say, how bad is it going to be? And they'll, they'll call us. And how bad? is it going to be? When is it going to hit? What, what's what's the bad thing about it? So I'm already preparing myself a couple of days in advance to make sure that we are a little bit more prepared uh, for people like that. And I've always tried to maintain a lower style of uh, at least trying to, when our presentations are going on on the on TV, I don't like to go out and say, massive tornadoes, you know, three days out. This is, uh, you know, this is going to be terrible. You got to run for the hills uh, because I'm afraid. And I've noticed this too, is that so many people in response to 
to that type of communication tend to then go, then they, that wrecks three days of their life because then the, all they're thinking about is how bad it's going to be. When is it going to hit? What's going to happen? When in reality, there's a good chance that that might not even be close to them. And so what we try to do is just slowly ramp up so we're a little bit more responsible because we're obviously educated enough. We should have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. And if it is a bad day, we are going to say, hey, this does look like a bad storm day. So we do want you to make sure that you're prepared. But so far, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can change. And so we try to not push it down, but we try to keep it within reason so it's not ramped up. Because in today's world of um, TV, media, social media, as soon as anybody sees uh, 12 inches of snow, 14 days out, it's like they're going to put that out on the uh, social media site and say, oh my gosh, we could be in for two feet of snow, a blizzard and everything else. And I'm, I'm so against that. And a lot of that has to do with just most of the people who are so concerned about what's going on. Now, have you had any instances where folks would would reach out to you repeatedly and you could kind of tell that they were really suffering with severe weather anxiety that would just maybe call you or message you on Facebook and you could tell that they were really struggling with something. Has that ever happened? And if so, what have you kind of done to maybe calm them down or what is it that you would suggest to maybe ease the nerves? One of the th- biggest things after over 30 years of doing this, it's been almost every year, there's been several people that will call that will be scared. A lot of uh, parents are saying, my child, my daughter, my son, just he, he just can't function and he's scared to death because when you say something, he immediately thinks it's going to be bad and it's the end of the world and he wants to hide. He's, he's real nervous. What we do and what has worked out very, very well is that we have the kids come up and sometimes it's not kids. I mean, it can be teenagers, it can be adults. So I'm, I'm focusing on kids, but we've had adults as well. And we had them come up and we have them sit with us through an afternoon. And we talk to them about all of what we do, what we go through, and the process that we go through to make these forecasts. Uh, we tell them about the chances of really being hit by lightning, actual chances of being you know, in a tornado, and try to push that down. But the biggest thing is that the education that they have once they've left, they seem, and we've had such a high response, and I would say at least 75, 80% of the uh, people who come through come back and say, you made me feel better about it because now I know more instead of just being afraid about something I didn't know anything about. And we've always said for them to read, but I think it's different when you can actually see what's going on in like an office. You can see what we're doing, what we're trying to do uh, to make sure that everybody has plenty of warning, how, how we're being more in the educational side, so that uh, if they're educated about what's going on, there's a higher probability that the fear factor is going to go away some because they know what they're facing. And what I've seen so much in the course of the last 30 years or so is the fact that so many people don't know what they're up against. They hear the word tornado and immediately it's a it's a black cloud that's sitting on top of them instead of just off in the distance or someplace. And it's almost like they're frozen in time. And uh, what we try to do is have them understand, we're trying to help you know what the odds are of actually having a bad storm. Here's some of the ideas of what we do when there is a storm and we all want to move to a place safety. But once they see what we're doing and the storm trackers, the videos, the helicopters, the radars, especially radars, and we talk about how we're tracking, we do the storm tracks and how much better it is now than when I started in the 1980s. I mean, it's obviously light years different. And so it's much easier to help people now, I think, than what it was when I started. Because when I started, I didn't have a whole lot to go on because we didn't have a lot of scientific data and information and uh, equipment. 
equipment at our disposal. Now it's a different story. And I feel much stronger about that. And the response that we've had has been really, really good. And I would say really good even compared to the 1980s. Because when they left, I couldn't tell them a whole lot because I didn't know a whole lot back then, compared, comparatively speaking. So I'm really pleased with where we're at. And I do think that uh, anyone who listens to this and is really afraid, you know, that there are ways to learn about meteorology, learn about some of these things. And instead of making it a, something that you're scared of, make it something you're interested in and learn about it so that because the more information you have, the less you fear. I know how it is for extended on-air times when there's, you know, just a lot of severe weather. You're here all night, all day long. I know personally that could kind of wear on you. And I was I was wondering, how do you manage to stay so sharp on TV for that long amount of time without food, water, or a break? How do you kind of deal with your own kind of mental fatigue throughout the day? You know, it's a it's real interesting because adrenaline kicks in and adrenaline only lasts for so long, but at the after about hour six or seven, you can kind of tell that, uh, you know, things aren't, you're not going to sharp. You're kind of getting a little slap happy sometimes we call it. And so you got to be careful because you're ad-living uh, all the time about severe weather. You always, you obviously turn around and you have something to point at, or if you're like uh, Stacia or Alan, uh, you have data and you have storm tracks that you're pointing out so you can kind of stay focused. But uh, sometimes the, like the crosstalk and things like that, you start to get a little looser uh, because you're not quite as focused. And so those are the times when I'm a little bit more concerned. And um, we, we made a joke last year because uh, uh, we had been on, the, I think we'd been going for about six hours, maybe seven straight. And I, I, taking a quick break, Stacia would, and I think Alan were in the uh, in the weather office or doing the uh, updates while I quickly got a drink. And I saw a piece of pizza. And so I grabbed a piece of pizza and started walking out. And Stacia looked at me and said, Where's, where'd you get that pizza? And she said that on the air. <laughs> and she said, and, and we haven't had anything to eat and you're eating pizza? And so it was, it was pretty funny because uh, it was just one of those moments. But it, it is Probably about hour seven, uh, I would say, is probably a, a time in which uh, it's six and a half, seven hours uh, when the adrenaline's gone and then you're on just sheer willpower. The biggest thing is probably just knowing that there's people in advance of that. And, you know, there's people complaining because you're on the air for a tornado in McAllister and they're in Bartlesville and they don't care or just the vice versa. You know, we're in a, for a tornado in Bartlesville and McAllister people say, well, what are you doing to stay on the air all the time? Uh, so you still have critic, uh, people who are critical of you, uh, but a lot of people will thank you for staying on the air and even though it wasn't exactly in Tulsa uh, and so for those people and sometimes it's only one or two that might really be watching that's really affecting uh, but when they send an email back I mean it makes it all worthwhile and it makes you push on through and as I've gotten older obviously when I once I'm through with an event, I'm very tired. When I was younger, I could uh, pretty much say, let's do this again, you know, but uh, those days of like, okay, I'm going home, I'm going to sleep for about 10 hours. So, uh, so it's a little different now in my life, but as long as something's going on, I th I've never known like this past year was probably the most stressed anybody's been out in 2019 anyway, uh, of uh, covering weather uh, because it's just nonstop day after day of storms and flooding and everything else. And the hours put in were incredible. But at the same time, it was kind of like there was a mission. And then once that mission was done, I think everybody on our staff, which I'd never thought I'd hear, but they all said, okay, 
it doesn't have to storm for another month. I'll be just happy. But uh, because, I mean, everybody was just depleted at that point. And so everybody was taking breaks afterward. But I mean, that happened to all the meteorologists that happened to anybody who had to, were weather weary, so to speak. But I've, we've never had that really to speak of. And so uh, the anxiety level uh, for our weather staff is very low because, you know, it's so much like we've got to get this out. We've got to get this information. And as long as everything's working, which knock on wood to this point, everything has been working functionally well. Uh, now, if something goes south, uh, there was a point, and I will say this, uh, when I was at a different TV station, lightning struck our building, our uh, radar went out, uh, we had a camera, we were looking at a tornado coming in Tulsa, and all of a sudden it's like I had to make a decision what I was going to do because I couldn't, I couldn't tell people to keep watching me because I lost my radar because a lightning strike, we hit, hit we got hit, I think, three times in a row, and it just knocked everything out. And for whatever reason, the camera on the tower where the lightning hit still was managing to function. And we could see the tornado, or we could uh, see uh, the flashes and a lot of uh, different power flashes that were going on associated with the tornadoes that come down the west side of town. So we knew where it was. I had storm trackers underneath it, and our telephone lines were still working, so I felt good. But I was just at the point of saying, okay, we don't have any more data. You're going to have to watch another TV station. And I was literally right there, and then our guys said, it's lifted. It's lifted. And uh, at that point, I said, follow it, because I i can't do this any longer if this isn't correct. Because then at that point, we had to make a decision. So if there was ever a stressful time in my life during severe weather, it was right then, because you're you're in the middle of it, and then you, you're handing it over, but you have to. Because at that point, so I was within, I'd say, 30 seconds, 45 seconds of, of just saying, okay. Because I told, I said, everybody, I said, we're not doing this anymore. And uh, those are situations that are personal, but at the same time, they're the most stressful moments because if someone would have got hurt during that, it would have been to me the worst thing that could have ever happened. And I, you know, I'd have quit at that point probably because that would be the most intense I've ever been around. Otherwise, it's been a very functional and the redundancy of the stations and, and what we have now compared to what we had before is a little bit less likely that that would ever happen again. But those that would probably be the biggest anxiety moment in my life. And it had more to do with, you know, can't lie. You got to tell the truth. You got to say you make sure mm -hmm. people are safe. Now, I know you've been in this business for a long time and I've seen a lot of tornadoes that have just done incredible amounts of damage and, and caused a lot of loss of life. How, in, in your own mental respect, how do you kind of process that and deal with that whenever you, you see, I know a lot of times you, you go and visit some of the, the towns that have been hit and you see firsthand somebody who's lost everything and maybe even lost loved ones. How do you console them? How do you yourself deal with that, seeing that and kind of uh, comprehending that? I tell you, the uh, I kind of got, I'll say, slapped in the face almost uh, a month to three months, after, well, about three months after I came to Tulsa. Um, I was right out of college, 1983, I think it was, and I was just jumping up and down because I was in Oklahoma, Tornado Alley. I've been waiting to come here to see what I could do, forecasting tornadoes. And there was a tornado went through west side of Bartlesville and into the downtown area on the northwest side of downtown. They sent me up there after the tornado, and, and I had very little reporting experience at the time. And so so I was going around to all these people who had lost homes and uh, the, and saying, "Hey, how did you get through this? What happened? What were you, you know, what were you doing?" And 
I went to the, the second or third, to, I think it was the second home, and they said, get off my property. If that's all you care about, get off my property. And so I was like, at first I was like, wow, they're not very happy. Well, they just had their house blown apart. And I was just a little too young and immature to really see that. I was approaching it from the angle of a scientist. I wanted to see what part of the house they were in and how they managed to stay alive and all that. And it's like, that's the last thing they wanted to hear from somebody. I went to the third house and that third house, the person said, is there any reason that you're asking me this question right now? And uh, and he just stood there staring at me. And I said, well, I, I just want to know about the science of it. So do you really think you should be talking to me right now about this? And I went, no. And he was pretty much giving me a lecture. And at that point, I was pretty upset because uh, I all of a sudden kind of realized that what I was doing was invading people's uh, privacy after a, a massive personal event had happened to them in a crisis situation. And here, what am I doing? I'm just asking some questions about, you know, all the things that are, that could be asked later. And I suddenly realized at that point, uh, I've just kind of backed off. In fact, it did uh, made me cry uh, because I was like, I felt like an idiot because I felt horrible and all that. And so I learned very fast that uh, because those people, you know, and then they kind of, I don't know, it just made me feel very poorly about myself and what I was there for. And so from that point on, I had a little, I didn't have a little, I had a huge different respect for anybody who goes through a crisis because that was, I'd never really been around that before. But I still say it takes a little bit of maturity, a little bit of understanding of what's going on because a lot of us don't really know that until you're in that. And that's why um, at a pretty early age, I, I had to come to Jesus moment, I call it, uh, where I was like, what am I doing? And so for most of my career, I've never walked on somebody's property after a tornado other than see, ask how they're doing. Uh, that's my first question. My second question, is there anything, you know, that we can do to, you know, help? I know I'm here reporting, but, and so I've taken a whole different philosophy on, on what it's like, because a lot of times in the news, you know, it's always been to cover it, not really going there to assist because that's not our quote unquote, our job. But, you know, if people are standing there, you've got to do something and, uh, it, you know, asking them about how much their loss is and how they're going to recover and all that is not what you do. Uh, so we've had a different philosophy on that, or I have for my whole career pretty much after getting kind of slapped in the face a couple times there. Do you think here in Oklahoma, as compared to other states across the country, do you think most people here kind of know a lot more about the weather than other places in the country just because they have to live through it? Like people here know what hook echo is. When you <laughs> ask somebody, you know, in California, they, they don't really know what that is. No. Do, you, do you think that's, that's something that's kind of here in Oklahoma? I really think that this is a highly educated, weather-educated uh, area, just because we have to. I also know like there's a difference between Oklahoma City and Tulsa, uh, because uh, since when a city is ravaged, the Oklahoma City metropolitan area as much as it has been, the people there live differently than the people in Tulsa, because uh, you know our first scare seemingly in a long time was uh, you know our spring when the tornado came th coming through Sepulpa and into South Tulsa, Broken Arrow, and uh, that was something I haven't done in a long time, and I've been here a long time. Uh, and I'm, you know, just thankful that we haven't had to do that. We've had little tornadoes, but that the the pucker power factor was up very high uh, that night just because of how close that was to being a really bad situation. And so I would say, yeah, uh, it's it's just most people understand this just because this is this is a rowdy part of the country for weather. I think some of the problems too are like in Mississippi, Alabama, that where people aren't quite as they know something bad could happen, but they don't really have. Uh, I don't think they're educated to the level we are because this is such a constant. And I think in uh, Mississippi and Alabama. 
some of those uh, deep south places, uh, a lot of those people just, you know, it's like every once in a while something terrible happens. And when it's terrible, it is really terrible for those guys. Here, it's almost every spring. You can almost, uh, you know, go to the bank and bet on bet on it that it's going to be someplace. Somebody's going to have some bad luck. We're going to have some strong winds. We're going to have some baseball-sized hail. We're going to have some 70, 80, 90, 100-mile-an-hour winds. And so I think people are very much aware of what goes on. And I do think Oklahoma City probably doubles what we do in Tulsa just because they've been affected so much. Now, I want to say there's a lot of resources here in Oklahoma that a person can can turn to if, if they're dealing with, with severe weather anxiety. One of them, the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma Sunbridge Program, it uh, provides screening in a limited number of counseling sessions at no charge to qualified uh, low-income residents. And I just want to pass along this information too for folks that are maybe dealing with severe weather anxiety. They could actually call 918 918- Five eight five one two one three, or they can email the Mental Health Association. Additionally, here in Oklahoma, anybody can call two one one on their phone, and that will connect them uh, with counselors, and they could ask about mental health resources available in their community, and also the disaster distress helpline. That's one eight hundred nine eight five. 5990. That's 24 7, 365 national hotline dedicated to providing immediate crisis counseling for people who are experiencing emotional distress from any kind of a natural disaster. So, here in Oklahoma, we have so many great resources. That is awesome. I didn't know it was that many. So, so many great resources that people can reach out if, if they're struggling with um, severe weather anxiety or any kind of mental illness in particular. Um, we've got so many resources. And it, you, I would like to ask you, um, what, what are some resources people can maybe um, reach out to in terms of uh, educating themselves on severe weather and, and maybe um, trying to relieve some of that severe weather anxiety by kind of just knowing the odds and, and things like that? What are some of the informational resources? Uh, my daughter has always been a weather nut, and I call it because she loves the weather. But she's also has a little bit of she is so highly sensitive to what's going on, and she's made my granddaughter kind of fear the weather a little bit, uh, just because of her high alert status, so to speak. And one of the things I I would like that I'd, I'd love is if parents can find a way uh, when they have a, some type of anxiety or some type of thought processing, and again. I'm not a psychologist or anyone that uh, really deals with this on a, a level other than how I've had to deal with it in the weather, is that it's really important in my mind to help children not get the same little bit of a phobia type or the th- same thought processes because they're going to follow what we do, obviously, and they're going to see us, and sometimes they're going to follow in our footsteps exactly. And so my granddaughter is extremely sensitive to the weather, and she pretty much fears the weather. And I've had to uh, go through it with her. I brought her here to the TV station. And so she has a better understanding of what's going on. And so most of the things that I like people to do is go and, I mean, it's, everybody has their own massive library at their fingertips, usually with Google, and uh, it's sitting right there. But one of the things is you can look at statistics and you can Google Oklahoma tornadoes. Um, you can Google uh, within that, you can also Google, you know, lightning and information on lightning safety. Uh, there's so many different places. Nash Weather Service has a, a great resources, and a lot of times that'll show up on Google searches uh, for tornadoes. And uh, Channel 6 has a place uh, on our website as well uh, where people can look at different videos. We do have some safety things online. And one of the things we like to do, uh, and I know you asked for resources, one of the things we love to do, not just like, uh, is go out to the community with our wild weather camps. Because we feel that if we can approach children at a younger age, and we, we target anywhere, kindergartens on the 
low end to sixth grade, probably on the high end. Uh, we try to target that mid-range so that kids who are just kind of coming into understanding what's around them and their environment and all that, that they have a better understanding of what they can do to be safe. They don't have to uh, they don't have to fear the weather. They just have to respect it. And our, our goal is to try to get them to understand that if you can respect it, you're going to know what to do. It's just like if there's a, a bad person outside, you don't open the door and let them in. But those are the things that as we teach children to do those things, that there's a higher response level, uh, I feel, that's happening with kids, especially like with safe rooms, because we we have a miniature safe room in our uh, wild weather camp. And we, we try to talk kids into like, find your safe place, you know, and then you don't have to worry. And if you when you get older and build a house, some Broken Arrow or Owasso or whatever you're going to build it in Tulsa, um, have a safe room. And then you never really ever have to even stop and think about it. My family was always upset when I'd leave just because I was leaving and leaving a uh, wife and children at home. And uh, it's like, great, you're leaving and nobody's here to help me. And uh, once there was a safe room, uh, she never looked back. <laughs> it was kind of like, I don't need you. I've got a safe room. Uh, but uh, it, it does change some of your, um, I would say, your emotional roller coaster that a lot of people are on, if they can find a, a safe room or a safe shelter. Not everybody can afford those, obviously, because they're not cheap, you know, several thousand dollars for the cheapest ones. But at the same time, there is a lot of emotional stability that I feel comes with the fact of knowing you have a safe place to go. And that's one of the biggest things that we try to push in the children's uh, ways of trying to learn about lightning, tornadoes, and flooding. And if we can do that, and they learn that from a young age, and we're doing it in a, we try to do it in an entertaining way uh, that uh, actually makes it to where they'll it'll connect with them. Um, I will tell you this short story. I have a boss who said, you need to get a dog. We have a dog and we want you to use the dog. I said, this is a science program. This isn't a dog program. I'm not, you know, I'm not working uh, for anybody other than for working meteorology and trying to say, well, try the dog. And I was, reluctantly did so. After we did have the dog on our show, uh, I would get pictures back from all the kids. The dog was in every picture by the safe room because the dog's experiment was to, if I said tornado, the dog knew immediately to open the door to the safe room and get into the safe room and then shut the door. And I would say... Oh my goodness, I couldn't even tell percentages, but a majority of children would have the dog in there and would have a safe room and would have that imprinted in their brain as far as the show was concerned. And to me, if we're doing things like that to help them imprint good things, uh, that that's going to make them less afraid. And we try to tell them, don't be afraid, just respect. And we all have to go to a place of safety. We all have to get our family to a place of safety. And so we try to target that. And to me, some of the resources that are out there include those safety brochures that are you know available like on Google and Act them out, you know, to me with the, with the kids a little bit. Say, all right, there's a tornado. What are we going to do? You know, you tell me, where are we going to go? How are we going to be safe? And then just have them act that out. And then they can kind of walk through that. And uh, and you do it in a just calm way. And just because I think, and if you do that uh, occasionally or more than once, you know, and make it just a routine type thing every spring or once in the fall, whatever, it just becomes kind of, to me, a normal part of who they are. And we live here. And so we have to do that. So that's kind of the thought process I have. Well, I know we're getting into severe weather season now. Um, before we know it, in March, official start. Obviously, we can have storms any time of the year, but that's kind of where it peaks uh, for us. Is, it, is there anything you can give us kind of a little sneak peek of what you're thinking? You know, there is... Um it's, I, I won't make it complicated, but the um, Gulf of Alaska ocean temperatures in the Pacific are bothering us because they haven't really, they're dropping a little bit. They haven't dropped significantly enough and they, they're not supposed to be warm. It's supposed to be uh, colder. And it's been warmer now about as long as we've had some weird weather uh, for the last year. And so that is dropping off a little bit, but I don't see a whole lot of change uh, from where we were last year to now based in, and everything now is pretty much based on uh, ocean 
temperatures, sea surface temperatures, we call it, SSTs. And so we're watching that closely because um, we try to let the people who know how to do that stuff do that. But it's pretty obvious from our uh, visual look at what's going on out in the Pacific that uh, there isn't a whole lot of change. And therefore, the jet stream's still acting similar to last year. There's a few nuances. Uh, for example, California hasn't had nearly the record snows that they did last winter. So there are a few changes there. Uh, the Colorado Rockies, uh, the Southern Rockies, they're near to slightly above normal. And so that's still hanging in there. It's not as powerful as it was. So we still think that we're going to have a fairly active, or I'd call it a very active. Last year was creepy, over the top active. You know, it was just like, are you kidding me? How many, how many days can it rain? And uh, my cows are thinking the same way right now. They're just like, can it rain anymore? I can't even stand here. I mean, everything is mud, you know, and it's amazing how wet this weather pattern has been. And in the last 13 months, I think we're just looking, we had two months that were normal rain. Uh, December was the only one that actually was a little bit below. Now, everything else has been blown out of the water, so to speak, with so much water. So we still feel that we're on that same pattern that hasn't really adjusted yet. And we do think that that's going to happen. Okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we know for sure it's going to storm. Yeah. In Oklahoma, yeah, we You'd never have to really worry about that. The last thing I'd say is just that, you know, people that uh, the more you understand it and the more you study it, it's it's a lot easier to do anything. It, you know, it's not like, what is that, uh, staying at a Holiday Inn Express one night and you're a doctor or whatever, a lawyer or whatever. But it is that if you if you study a few of those things um, and you start to understand what's going on, it, it starts to become very interesting. And, and you know as well as I do, meteorology is a unique science and, it, and it's a lot of fun when you're studying it, understanding what's going on and the physics and chemistry. And I don't mean that in a complicated way. I just mean it in a way of uh, like watching clouds boil and and what's going on with that and how things get cold and warm and how hail forms all that. There are very, very interesting things going on. And I, I hope kids that are afraid of that can find find a way to study it and learn more about it and, and not be afraid, just uh, respect it for what it is. The weather is uh, something that you can enjoy, you can watch, you can respect it. And I say it's something that you don't fear. And I'd love for you to go do good things.